All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me for another episode of Her Wild Outdoors. Today, my sweet friend, Raylene Proto, is joining me from California. Raylene, thank you. Thank you for having me, Amy. Of course. Uh, You and I have been chit-chatting for a little bit of time, but then we got to hang out a couple of weeks ago, and I have to say... I getting a hug from you was something I was very excited about. (laughs) Oh my gosh, me too. I was really, I was looking forward to meeting all the ladies that Mm -hmm. I've met online, actually in person, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, through social, we have such a a strong connection. So it's really great to get, I know before I I sent you messages, like, I'm going to be there on Saturday. You're like, can I get to give you a hug in real life? And I like felt the hug, like through the message on Instagram. Yes. That was so great. It makes a difference. And I think that that's why, I don't know. I think that our, our community of women in the outdoors, I think uh, there, there's some ones that give us a bad name, right? There are some of those out there, but the majority of us are real people who just are craving connection with other women that are like-minded. Yes. I, I exactly. just, yeah. yeah. That, that's definitely been my experience for sure. It's like mm-hmm. once you find someone that's in your little corner and you're like, wait, you do this too. And it's just this whole different bond outside of anything else. And and we're so supportive and mm-hmm. we want to help one another so much. And yeah. it's it's great. I agree. I agree. It just, it makes my heart happy meeting people that yes. I've had a connection with already. And it just furthers that, that foundation into it um, when you meet in person. So I'm glad that we got to do that. And I got to hear a little bit yes. about your company, which we're going to get into in just a minute. But tell us just a little bit about, I don't, about how the outdoors has been a part of your life and is a part of your life. Um, I think that that makes a difference once we get into what your business is. Well, it's been a part of my life, my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, I am very fortunate to have a dad who is an incredible, I'm very biased, obviously, (laughs) an incredible outdoorsman. (laughs) And he, I'm an, I should probably specify, I'm an only child. So you can only imagine having an outdoor dad and like no boy and you got a girl, like you have no choice but to none. like go. <laughs> but none whatsoever. But I like I love hanging out with my parents are great and I love hanging out with my dad. So um, you know, I was his kind of his little fishing buddy, hunting buddy for a really long time, uh, very young. My earliest memories, oh my gosh, I think it was about four or five. We were just talking about this the other day. And I remember him um, coming back from bird hunting. And when he was bird hunting, he shot a couple rabbits. And he was showing me how to clean and pelt out the rabbit on the back porch. Mm -hmm. And I just remember sitting there with like such intent and just like watching him. Because just like his finesse with doing it was just so impressive. And he talked me through every single thing he was doing wow and I just was like so captivated you know by it and that you know led to obviously eating wild game at a very young age and um turning into a young lady that was very interesting and wanting to 
go out there with him and hang out more than just fishing. Like I really wanted to start hunting and he thought birds were like the perfect place to start. Mm-hmm. But being seven or eight, you can't really, you know, I had a pellet rifle, like he bought me a pellet rifle. He was like, this is how you use this and thought be gun safety with that. But he started me off about this, my son's eight, um, about seven or eight. And um, we had a bird dog. So he took me to every obedience class and every bird training class with her. So I would know how to work the dog. And he taught me, he gave me calls and he was like, here, play with a quail call here, play with a duck call. And just like, let me go with that. And then when I became about seven or eight is when he took me out with him and said, your job is to work the dog and call in the birds. So that's really where it started and where he really started pulling me, you know, into this amazing world of like, now you're going to get more involved. You're going to help when we go out. Well, because he was building that foundation. I love that. I love that he taught you the responsibility of it before moving into the rest of it. Cause that's huge. He used to pull out his, if he would go skeet shooting with the guys, he would bring me along and he would be like this, you know, this is a shotgun. This is how you handle it. You respect it. And Mm -hmm. so from a very young age, I knew you just, you don't touch it unless you have a reason to. And the reasons were when I was out with my dad and he was showing me how, how to shoot it. Um, you know, until I got to the age of being able to, you know, do hunter safety and, and actually go out there and play with him and the boys. Um, but really it was about the respect Mm -hmm. and, and learning that respect. I think that we do, I think that we parents who see the value in it do a great job of bringing our kids up in it. You said that you've been Mm -hmm. eating wild game since you were little. I just the difference between, you know, my family where my kids eat and have eaten wild game since they were teeny tiny up to in comparison to the, our next door neighbors who did not grow up in that. And I think that there's a big fear I mean, food with kids is not an easy thing anyways, right? When you're introducing them to new foods. Yeah. But I think that wild game has created a situation with my kids, at least, that trying new things isn't scary. It's more of an adventure. Yeah. Pax is now, he's eight. So now he's like... I want to, you know, I'm, I want to try new things. So that's been the biggest thing this year is he'll actually now try something. Want to. Like I made, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I made venison like carne asada tacos the other night. And he was like, I don't know about that, but I'll try, I'll try the meat. And I'm like, okay. So I cut a little piece off and I was like, give it a whirl. It's not for everybody. Like try it. Um, and he, you know, he was like, it's not bad. It's pretty good. Uh, and I could probably get him to eat about any bird yeah. <laughs> you can think of because he just associates it with like chicken. It's so. true. It's so true. I'm normally okay with that. And uh-huh. Anything bigger though, he's kind of he's kind of like, I don't know, mom. I'm like, just try it. If you don't like it right now, you might like it later in life. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yep. And we've we've done a little bit of that. They I think they started more on venison versus bird. And mm-hmm. so duck was actually something that it takes a little bit of getting used to because it is the taste is very different from from the 
you know, here, white tail over here, they're used to eating oats and corn and soybeans and (laughs) they taste delicious. Um, Yeah, they're super sweet. Very and tender. And and then you you throw snow goose at them and they're going, what is this? Uh, But it does, I think it creates a situation, like if you think bigger picture than just wild game, you're thinking you're setting them up to try things without being fearful of them, trying them with excitement, with adventure, with um, this is something new instead of, oh, this is something new. And it can trickle into their school lives. It can it can trickle into work. Mm-hmm. It can trickle into relationships, like all of these things that takes them outside of their even their comfort zone of just trying it yeah. because they've had a good experience with it. Um, I think that your parents did a great job of it. And I, I kind of did, uh, I kind of did the same thing with him, but mm-hmm. not, not as my dad, but we, I started him off with fishing and literally yes. that's his, his love. He just, uh, the other day I was like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta go to school. And he's like, well, what I really want to do is go grab my fishing pole. And then that's not an option today. <laughs> Me too, kid. But Me I, too. I the love. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I would love nothing more than to be on the lake right now, but we just can't do that. But mm-hmm. so really anytime you tell him like, well, maybe we'll go fishing. He's already got, like in the garage, grabbing his little tackle box and getting mm-hmm. his pole out and like going over to the door. He's, yeah. He's ready. It is. We, you were saying introducing a kid seven and eight years old to bird hunting. It's that Mm -hmm. shotgun. It is the shotgun that I think has kept my kids from jumping into it earlier than they have already Mm -hmm. was just the weight of a shotgun. They can even handle the recoil of a 20 gauge, but it was the weight of being able to hold it up that we had to figure Mm -hmm. out. And both of mine went dove hunting this year and absolutely loved it. But you would definitely have to find a gun that a smaller child could use with their strength level. It's just not like what an adult would have. Yeah. Um, yeah, right now we have him on a um, a Red Rider little baby gun. Oh, and yeah. Teaching him, you know, the importance with yes. that. And um, I have not taken him to the range yet, which I'm going to think I'm going to wait just a little bit to, yeah. to do that. But um, I think mine you know, were 10. Bow to, I think mine were 10 before yeah, we so went. I, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's about the age I think I was probably nine or 10. Um when I was like, come on, let's go. You know, no choice. Come on, let's go. Yeah. We're going to go do this today. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't see anything wrong with um, how my dad, have my dad approached things. So he has mm-hmm. his own way. He had his own way. I have my own way. And I ask questions too, where I'm like, do you think he's too young right now? And he'll give me an honest answer of no, right now it's yes. Um, and I think it's because he also learned from, me right of like right. maybe maybe I wouldn't wouldn't do that again if there was another one around. So I do kind of lean on him with a little bit of uh, do I do I take him out now? Do I not? Do I? He's like just hang out with the Red Rider and let him play with his bow in the backyard. Let him do his thing and oh yeah, enjoy the things that he enjoys, and it'll eventually spiral into you know what you're what you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's cool though that that you have that mentor growing up in your dad and yeah. you still have him now applying it 
It's amazing. I mean, we have, and we have a hunting family. So I mm-hmm. have all these hunting dads that I can actually talk to that I've known a majority of my life or my, in my adult life that I asked them, like, when, when did you, you know, take your, take your little one out? Um, I have a, a family friend that I've known since I was about probably nine or 10 years old and he's got a little girl and he's already taken her out with like his, his shotgun and so forth. And she, he's like, she seems to be okay with it. But as he says, like different, it's up to the parent really on how they want to handle the situation. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, my daughter was able to handle it a little bit earlier than my son, but my son loved it more, Mm -hmm. like loved the range more. So, um, Man, I just I'm I sit here and I'm jealous of you and in a good way. Like don't hear it in a bad way. I'm jealous in a good way of you and of my kids being able to do that when you were younger. And uh, there's just a piece of me that goes, Oh, why couldn't I have been able to do that? And you know, it's all in perfect timing. It's all what's it supposed to be. Too. Mm-hmm. And it makes a difference. Like you're teaching them skills right mm-hmm. out of the gate skills. Yes. Yes. And those skills, I, I knew they were important. I respected the skills that my dad passed down to me and, um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Probably more than I could even uh, mm-hmm. tell you how much I respect them. And I'm glad I have them, but really last year watching the pan, the pandelarium and the, yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah. the grocery stores and stuff, really, I just stopped and was like, I don't have to do this because mm-hmm. I'm, I have skills that will, I could feed my family and yeah. I don't really have to worry about this. And I know how to fish. I know how to hunt. And I have a whole family of hunters and we always exchange game where it's like, I've got a bear. I'm like, okay, I've got deer. I, let's, let's swap and, and feed each other that way too. And that's just how our community is. So to take a step back really last year and watch the crazy go down and to just feel safe and be mm-hmm. like, hmm, I don't really have to worry about that. Yeah. I got a garden in my front yard and I've, so I've got vegetables available and I have a wilderness that will feed me and I'm good. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a difference. The anxiousness level during those mm-hmm. kind of things is much lower. You're able to focus a little bit more on things that uh, you can take that off your plate for things to worry about um, yeah. or put it on yeah. your plate. <laughs> you get to put the food on your plate. Uh, <laughs> well, when was – so you around 9 or 10 started shooting, but when yeah. did you – because from what we have talked about, you actually like the bow mm-hmm. better than the gun. I do. So I was introduced to archery when I was nine. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad got a bow and he started doing 3D uh, competitions and shoots with uh, some of our outdoor buddies that we have. And I would watch him in the backyard. So I I should probably specify that even though I live in California, I grew up in rural California. I grew up in the high desert area of California specifically Phelan, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the largest town is Victorville. And normally people here in California, especially Southern California, know Victorville because you have to drive through Victorville to get to Las Vegas. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, I drive. I drive there all the time. Uh, so we had about two and a half, three acres growing up. Uh, Phelan was a little horse town. Yes. My family and I moved up there. We had one grocery store. 
It was called Sunshine Market, and it had <laughs> horse ties in the front because people would ride their horse to the grocery store and load up their, us included, load up their uh, saddlebags, you know, full of groceries and head home. That's perfect. And the closest... <laughs> The closest grocery store was like 35, 40 minutes. Um, and then obviously the town got bigger as I got older and mm-hmm. my parents are um, still there on the Victorville side. Um, so um, I would watch him in the backyard and just watch him shoot. And I was really fascinated and I thought it was really cool. And so I, I asked him, I kept uh, I kept bothering him. It was more than I asked him. It was like, can I can I shoot? I want a bow. I want to try it. I want to try it. And he, he's like, this is going to be like every other little sport that I've thrown you in. And like, play softball. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. Play basketball. Uh-huh. Oh my God, I don't want to do it. So he's like, he's like, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to like it. So he asked, you know, one of his buddies, does anybody have a, like a little recurve? My kid could just tink around with in the backyard. Um, and someone did. So he brought it home and gave me the rundown on the safety and the what not to do. And you're probably going to hit your arm, but don't let that discourage you. Mm-hmm. And pulled me out to about 10 yards on the target. And, you know, just let me search. He set me up, showed me form and just let me you know, start shooting and he kind of was just watching me and I have a natural ability, yeah, which is a little rare. So he just kept handing me arrows and saying like, do it again, do it again. And then move me back to 20 and then showed me like, now you're back here. This is how you adjust and uh, not having sights, you know, shooting just, you know, with no sights looking down the arrow. And so he just said, you know, like this is a, my dad had a rule. You had to play a sport. Um, <laughs> this is a sport. So yes. if you like it, you, yes, you can do it. And I was like, I'm all about this. This is what I want to do. I was like, yeah, this sounds like fun. Uh-huh. So like two or three weeks went by and he signed me up for my first 3d tournament. And then after that, I was hooked. Isn't it amazing oh. how archery I've talked about it with, um, with a couple of people, Steph, the archer, Steph, Steph, and I had a big conversation <laughs> about, um, about NASP in schools and the benefit that archery has for kids, you know, all the way from fourth grade up. And I think the mental capacity to grow through it, but also the, the psychological and emotional uh, part that comes with it, that confidence that comes with it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it is one of the sports that, I can't say I've seen the most change in a child over because each child is different and things that they love is different. But I being in it and taught it for two years, I saw so many kids that weren't technically labeled athletic become Mm -hmm. athletes. And it brightened. They're like, we – were on a team, whereas they never had felt like they were on a team before. And I just, it, mm, I, I can't preach it and I will continue mm-hmm. preaching it, but I can't do it enough justice to throw out how awesome archery is in the life of a child. Yeah. And it's also a great family sport. Mm-hmm. So it went from my dad shooting to, you know, me and then him telling my mom, like, why don't you come along? Yes. Uh, and then it was, you know, the three of us pretty much every weekend shooting at some sort of tournament around, you know, California or going into, mm-hmm. we went into Nevada a couple of times. So it, it became like this just family sport that, 
we connected, did. And, yeah. You know, my, yeah, exactly. And my, you know, depending on how I would score or whatnot, depending if I meddled, then my dad would like go up and be like, okay, so we need to practice on this because if you hit like two more tens, you would have gotten third or just something, you know, something similar like that. So it, it's a great team sport if mm-hmm. you're shooting that way as a team, but then individually it's challenging too, because yes. you have to up your game also to help your team out. Yeah. Um, and I think I excelled, I did play other sports in school. Like I, I threw shot put and discus. Um, but I, I, uh, and I, I did dance and color guard too, but I think, on an individual team level, because obviously shop it and discuss it's accumulative of your points and how your, how your track team does. Um, because I had to challenge myself constantly. I did well in those, those types of sports settings instead of like a softball situation, not saying softball was bad. I loved it. I played with my cousins for a little while, but it just, it, it didn't appeal to me because I needed to be challenged. And I guess that way as an an adult too, still where I'm like, uh, you need to challenge me a little bit more. Uh, and archery is that way still to this day as well. I've been shooting since I was nine. I just turned 40 this year. So mm-hmm. that's a very long time to be shooting to still say, I'm definitely not an expert. And I still learn every single day from people, especially, uh, you know, hunting with my bow. I'm not an expert and I do lean on you know, some guidance, um, and mentorship from others to help me yep. you know, perfect it. I tell I think I told Sharinda in the last the last podcast that came out that I will never claim myself as an expert ever 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 mm-hmm. ever never because no. there's always something else to learn and yes. yes I might know something more than somebody who is behind me on at the level of where I am and I will gladly help but I'm never going to claim to be an expert. And exactly. And I think that that just, that's that humbling status of there's always something else out there. Where is it? What is it? What, how can you challenge mm-hmm. yourself? And I'm like you, I like to challenge myself and I like to push into that level of discomfort just a little bit in order to then get comfortable there and then keep moving. And that's yeah. exciting to me. It, nothing's ever boring because there's always no. more to do. <laughs> always. It keeps life exciting. Yes. For sure. Definitely not boring around here. So Never. what was your first hunt that you went on um, that it was you and your hunt? Um, ironically, I have not hunted by myself. We always hunt in groups. No, yeah, that makes no, any sense. We, we break, yeah, we break, we break off. Right. Um, so I, I don't know how much people know about Southern California hunting, but hunting in California in general is really rough. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's hard to, as my dad has said, he's been hunting since he was probably 19, 20 years old and he's only bagged like a couple of deer. Uh, it's that, it's that hard, like couple deer here. Um, and so kind of the same track record where, you know, they're, it's, it's hard here. Yeah. No, <laughs> I've heard that from everybody. Last, yeah. Last year was, um, a great year. I am going to have to say, so, uh, last year is when I harvested my first buck. So that was incredible mm-hmm. and emotional yes. and amazing. And, um, my, my dad was actually with me and he put me on the buck. Um, 
uh, lots of sign language communication of yardage yeah. and my look of, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Are you sure that it's yes. only 26 yards? Uh-huh. And he's like, you are right on top of him. Please do something or I'm going to do it. Right. Type of thing. Um, but, oh my gosh. And, um, and that buck gave me a, a run for my money. It wasn't the cleanest shot as I thought it was. We, we really did think it was right in the pocket um, until... I retrieved my arrow and your arrow can tell you a lot about where you yes. hit an animal. Mm-hmm. And it, it was green. And I was like, crap, it was a gut shot. And, um, I didn't stop him well enough. Like he stepped forward and I let go. If right. he did not move forward, it would have been perfect. But I learned, we, we all, we all learn exactly um, from our hunts. And, and so it, it took a, I was very worried that I only injured him, which is the worst feeling I think in the world. Yep. Um, that you just injure an animal and you didn't successfully um, kill it, which was just ugh, like heart wrenching. I, I started tearing up just for that because, and my dad looked at me and he was like, what are you doing? Like, you know what this is about? And I'm like, what if I just injured him? And that was it. He's like, no, you didn't. We just have to wait longer than right normal because yeah. of the shot you took, and that's okay. This was a learning experience. It's fine. Um, and then having to track him after waiting a few hours in the truck and having to you know track him down, I was on my hands and knees looking <laughs> for signs <laughs> because the forest, the forest here in California, it, we have lots of pine needles. It's not as clean as. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say a good example would be Utah because I've seen Utah forest before where you, you have a really great ground to look at. It's just piled with pine needles and pine cones here and brush. And you have to kind of like, you'll see a good trail and then it just goes away and you're like, what in the, where did it go? What happened? And, mm-hmm. you know, hands and knees digging around, tracking him down. Um, we, we, finally came over this ridge and he was at the very bottom of the ridge and he was, you know, swaying back and forth. And I was like, Oh, he's not, he's not even down. He's not even bedded down like really. And he went to swing his head around to kind of look at our direction. And we both just hit the ground. Yeah. Um, I know. And then belly crawling, you know, up the rest of the hill, kind of seeing if I could get a better shot in. And I couldn't from where I was, my dad tried to crawl in a little bit further to see if he could. And he said he had brush blocking him. There was no way, but finally he just, he bedded down, but at, to give people like a time range of, uh, I released my arrow about eight, eight thirty, And we did not, get to him until about four fifteen, mm-hmm. and the, the local mountains that we hunt in also had snow on them at that point and the sun started setting and it was starting to get very cold yeah. as you know yeah wind blowing in and the worst thing I think at that moment was when my dad came back and said we're going to have to leave him for the night and I was just like devastated I'm like what if <laughs> so many what ifs of what if, what if a bear gets him what if a coyote mm-hmm. all these what ifs I knew it would be cold enough to preserve him I knew he would be fine in that retrospect but it's nature right what you know what what's going to happen um so having to leave the top of the mountain and then make a plan of like okay so we're going to get up at this time tomorrow we we used our, our GPS to mark him. Mm -hmm. We also used markings just in case the GPS didn't work. So we had our ribbons out and about and we ribboned off the spot on the road where we're like, we will go up here tomorrow. This is where we'll park tomorrow and kind of map that out. 
Um, it was the worst sleep of my life. Yep. And I, I just laying there like trying to sleep and no, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So it was a very exhausted person. I have been the there. <laughs> been there. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, heading, you know, heading up and, and then getting back, back to the mountain the, the next morning and kind of like, you know, quietly creeping in and hoping, well, obviously my dad was hoping like, well, maybe if we come across <laughs> Another deer, I could shoot it. Yeah, <laughs> I could feel my tag, but I'm um, like actually grazing, uh, you know, the top of that ridge and, and seeing him just bedded down and just down was good, amazing, mm-hmm. very emotional, lots of tears. Uh, my dad was ex- ex- so proud that he cried, and he's not a very emotional guy, so just to you know see that and, and be like, I'm, I'm so, I'm so proud of you, yeah. and you know, it. It was, it's it was all amazing. of those it was, years. It was, it was all those years coming <laughs> yeah. into uh, into all of it right there, and it is emotional, and it is, yeah, coming from those feelings of the night before and the whole day before, and it's a lot that you carry as a hunter. We've all had those shots. I had one last year that mm-hmm. I shot. It was my first gun harvest like I took my I killed a doe with a muzzle loader and it was a great placement of the shot but for some it was slightly back enough that it got the tip like the front part of the stomach and Ugh. you know it doesn't take hitting the whole stomach and exploding it it is you can just nick it and yep and those uh, those muzzleloader bullets, like you, it explodes inside. And so I, I yes. think that's why I like whether you are a crossbow hunter or an archery hunter. Those bolts and arrows, I think that uh, I I like them a lot better just for that reason um, alone. It's it's a reason that I love archery season better. Um, but it is what it is and you do mm-hmm. what you've got to do when it comes to either having to finish off what you started or waiting like you guys did and I, it was the yep. best decision that you waiting. made mm-hmm. yeah yeah there was no way either one of us could have you know got got an ethical shot no. from where, where we were no you would have just pushed him it, right? right just like we're gonna wait yeah. Oh yeah, and then he would have gone over the next ridge, and what it, you know, yes. he, I was like, oh, I'm gonna push him. No. What if he goes over the next ridge and then I lose him? No, and, and you want to kind of give him that worse. little. <laughs> you want to give him that little bit of peace yeah. right there instead of pushing and right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as soon as he bedded, as soon as he bedded down, we were like, okay, he's like he's done. We're we got to get off the mountain. It's getting dark and cold, and yeah. we have to get back to the truck safely and. Um just you know let it kind of let it go but there there was just so much love and not just the hunt itself like having that experience with my dad was incredible Mm -hmm. but like the aftermath of like like let me walk you through you know cleaning him out let me let's driving him back to the truck and then he uh, called one of his good friends and and let him know what was going on and he said i'm gonna meet you i'm gonna meet you at your house i'm gonna i'm gonna help her keep this out and she like she's mounting it like there was no there was like no choice There's no choice no you don't have <laughs> it a was choice. really funny like yeah no like you you are mounting this on your wall um so that you know that was amazing and it and they walked me through you know butchering him out and and uh you know in the garage and and helped 
to help cape them out for me. And so it, it really, there was just so much love that like poured into it that I really was like, well, I cannot not mount it and have right. on my wall just because of the amount of love and that this hunt was not it just being my first buck but every time I like look up at the wall now I'm just like that was such a great day right and like all the love and support I had that day from you know from from everyone that my dad and Brad and um and Derek just like you know being like just so excited and 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 their help in general Mm -hmm. for that season too it shows what kind of it shows what kind of hunter you are when you are willing to step in and celebrate somebody else's hunt when you have been there through yeah. through a lot of it or even just the beginning mm-hmm. of it. And it also shows the kind of person that you are for finishing a hunt. And uh, mm-hmm. we don't always get that finish. We we don't always get the the kill or the bringing meat home no. or are you <laughs> come back with nothing nothing <laughs> there's so many more it times of nothing <laughs> so many yeah, more times is. and i don't i don't think i don't think uh, non-hunters understand that where you're like i felt like i go out every single weekend and i'm no. you know taking home an animal most definitely not and our our um our dove season this season was kind of skunked out because of the weather here we have what's called monsoons yes um and we had a huge monsoonal downpour and I think maybe, like maybe two dogs made it home. I don't. I, mm-hmm. If that, and I'm just like, wow. Normally, we're hitting our limit every single day. We're there, and we're coming home with, you know, dove galore, but not not, not this year. year. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> came not home this past season. We came home with three. Maybe in November. We'll <laughs> yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, see? exactly. Yeah, there, there. It's feast or famine, <laughs> and uh, it is. I mean, I think that I hunted last year multiple times a week for most of the season and our season is a long season and so by the end of the season I'm just exhausted and people don't yeah. understand that yes I came away with oh. two deer last year but I hunted I was probably out in the field over 27 hunts in my bucket for for the season wow. and came home with two and yeah that's last year I can tell you I was out pretty much every single weekend yeah or a long weekend I would take I would take a vacation day or something and and extend it there's an area in the desert um, that my dad and I like to go out to it's it's beautiful for one especially at night but um to the terrain is really it's really 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 rough mm-hmm. um and it it can, by the time you get home on sunday you you're just <laughs> you, you'll sleep for 12 hours if you, you need recovery if you let yourself really <laughs> yeah but this, this year because of you know obligations i haven't been able to get out as much as i would like to but i can tell you that the days that we have i i think i'm even pushing my dad to his limits where i'm like we're gonna go up this mountain <laughs> he's like okay so we're going up mountain. <laughs> one of the mountains was a mountain that I refused last year to do he was like let's go up the mountain I'm like there's no way I'm in shape to even remotely try this mountain um and I, I fixed that and then this year I was like we're gonna go up that mountain that we didn't do last year because I thought that there's no way I'd make it and I'm so glad that I made sure that I was in shape to do that mountain because it 
a quarter of a way up, my dad turned to me and said, I don't think this was a good idea. <laughs> and you're like, let's keep going. It's a mental game. Like, you know, I'm starting to regret my decision. And it's a, in this mountain, I should probably specify that this mountain is in the middle of the desert. So it's rocky and it is covered in cactus. Oh, and goodness. We, we have wear snake guards because there are some some snakes out there you definitely do not want to stumble across and if you do you want to be make sure that you're prepared right um and there, yeah there is a there isn't an ounce of of ground that does not have cactus or rock on it but when we crest the top of it and it's not what i was expecting it was just these green juniper trees like just for miles wow it was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen so to have that view mm-hmm. was and to be standing on top of the mountain to like barely see the truck in the distance and to just see the valley that we hunt from that elevation and then to look across just the green plain it back to me I was like I'm satisfied like, you we conquered don't, it we don't anything up here I'm good yeah, you conquered I'm like, I'm it <laughs> I'm okay uh-huh well you have been busy you have been building a brand oh. um and yeah. I cannot get through this podcast without hearing, without other people hearing about it. So tell people about what you have started. Uh, so um, myself and my two co-founders, Audrey Young and Summer Meyer, we have started the Pally Outdoors. We are a woman's hunting and outdoor apparel company with unparalleled fit and function. And we are very excited to bring this to market for the ladies that have all been waiting for a year that's going to fit them mm-hmm. like they deserve to yeah. be fit. <laughs> yes. I think that uh, hearing, and there were about 60 plus women that got to hear about this a couple yes. of weeks ago. And hearing not just from you, but from other women who are invested mm-hmm. in what is right for women is so heartwarming because you guys are all supporting each other. You see the value of it and you see the, the need for it and you see that that need is bigger than just one company. And that is, that is what is powerful because no, you don't have to work together on one project. You can support each other on all of your ventures. And so you have, you and your co-founders have started this and you have seen the need for not just a small group of women who are shaped one way to be fitted. You are seeing Mm -hmm. women in all different shapes and sizes that are needing quality gear. And that is huge. And that's how it started. So last year, really, when I was, you know, getting getting ready and wanting to get new gear, knowing exactly what I was going to be doing, I I went to the women's department. There really wasn't much for me, and mm-hmm. I should probably specify so people are like, "Well, what does she mean by that?" So I'm like barely five foot four. I'm like a, a size twelve on a good day, which is rarely. Normally a fourteen. I'm hourglass shaped, um, and I could not find a single thing Mm-mm. that would that would fit my curves, would fit me properly, was comfortable, and it, we're already uncomfortable out there. We're yeah. in elements, you know, you know, it's cold, it's hot, it's freezing, it's all those things, and you throw in 
you know, crappy gear and now your confidence has like gone out the window. Yeah. And so I'm being pushed into the men's department where their clothes, you know, they, they don't fit me properly and they don't fit my curves. They need to be smaller. And it really started sending me down this spiral thought process of like, I, I know I'm not the only one. And right know that there's hundreds out there that probably feel this way that don't feel like they're being seen or heard and I was like well I think somebody needs to do something about it and if no one is doing anything about it then how come I can't do something about it and Amen. let our community our community know like you are seen and heard mm-hmm. and we listen and that's how we've built product is we've we've listened to what we've talked to our community we've listened to them we've we know their likes and don't likes we know what they want and Summer, who's our chief, our chief design officer, she she has brought those do's and don'ts, especially those do's, to life. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be launching with a pant uh, that is really um, the common denominator between all of us, where the fit isn't that great, and we complain about that the most. So we wanted to solve that problem first, mm-hmm. and then we'll come out with our rest of the our line of gear um, next fall to you know work with those pants that's exciting it's it i think that we get flack a lot for saying it doesn't fit it doesn't fit it doesn't fit it doesn't fit why can't you just wear it well i grew up wearing grew up i say i grew up i haven't grown since i started hunting i probably shrunk a little bit um but i have grown up as a hunter uh wearing youth camo because i'm short i am barely 5'2 now. And so finding camo that doesn't drag the ground um, has been something that has been very difficult to find outside of the kids department. Um, Graciously, over the years, it has piece by piece, I've been able to find things and put them together in a mixed match kind of way. But the Mm -hmm. quality of what I can afford and the quality of what is put out there for women, for the most part, is not the same standard to the men's. And youth camo is not to the same standard as men's. It's cold. It's not insulated. It's not waterproof. It's not. And they're changing over time. Thankfully, manufacturers are starting Mm -hmm. to see. But it's still... I mean, if you think about a business, the bottom dollar is can you make money off of it? And will that will that change or or can you make money off of raising that quality? And right now, the answer is still no for the big box companies. Um, But for personally owned, invested women, it's worth it. And that's what you're doing. It's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth bringing the technology forward, the fit forward, the function forward that that we need. Um, you know, we are, you know, we're self-funded right now, and that says a lot that we have to be very cautious about where we put our money. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's it's is you know those questions. It's it, but is it going to be worth it? Yes, it, of course. If we're going to add this or do that or put this into the material, mm-hmm. and yes, it is going to be worth it. And we know it's going to be worth it. And it's. It's just, I, I, you know, I can't, I don't want to say I can't go another season without having something that functions, but I do know some ladies that are sitting out because they, they don't have properly fitted gear. And that's, 
that's unacceptable yeah. in, in my opinion. You should be able to go out there and do your passion, do your hobby or live your way of life. But mm-hmm. you shouldn't be held you shouldn't be held back because you don't have the proper, you know, the proper attire. Mm-hmm. And and our our smallest range, you know, it could fit um, you know, a thirteen year old girl, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like that really where we were trying to aim of like how how many can you know how can many can we outfit with with our sizing range and how can we do this properly and eventually I would love to and it's on the product roadmap you know to get to youth and it actually be quality gear for her to wear and, mm-hmm. and be out there and be comfortable so that way I mean I know for myself as a young lady, I was surrounded by boys and, and men, you know, doing this sport and it can get a little uncomfortable. So it, you don't need to be uncomfortable in your gear as right. well. You should be out there and feel like you could be successful yeah. and show up the boys. Yes. <laughs> no, it's true. It's very true. So your sizes will range from being able to outfit a teenager all so the way. Go to, mm-hmm, extra, so extra small to, to extra, extra large. We are going to go larger when we do our full spectrum line, just so ladies know we're not forgetting about, about you if you're above um, an extra, extra large. Just, yeah. We've, we've got you. We just, you have, we have to start at some point. Mm-hmm. And this was the point that we could start and do a limited launch with. That's awesome. And um, we're actually going to have a size differentiation that this being the outdoors uh, industry does not have. So that's exciting. It's very exciting. I think that women all around are going, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> because since we are all built differently, it is nice to be able to go to one place and find it. Uh, I love that the heart behind this is bigger and personally put into it than, than some other places. So um. I'm excited to see how this comes through and and to see how you how hard you guys have worked on it just hearing your story and I don't know I love I love it when somebody comes up and says, "Well, will that fit me too?" and I can go, "Yeah, it does." Um I don't know. It's just exciting. And to hear kind of your story of this is where I started and being in that community for this long and seeing the need, continually seeing the need and to then say, well, if nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. That's what we need more of. It's not that we need more women out there. We do. We always do. And we always will. But it's we need people out there who are investing and doing the things instead of just complaining about it. And that's that's what all three of y'all are doing as as founders. And I don't it's exciting. It's exciting to follow and to see the struggle because you won't step down from the standard that you set it to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's a some people will step back from that standard, that quality that you have set it to, and they'll go, okay, this is really hard, so we're going to step it down a notch. And you're going, nope, we're going to stay right there, make it happen. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what uh, what do you think and how do you think that in creating this, like in putting this together, what are those standards that you're setting apart for your company and the quality of the clothing that you're putting out? 
Uh, well, the biggest standard we're, we're setting is listening to our community. Yes. It's the biggest thing. Yeah. I'm not going to build something that I want or Audrey wants or Summer wants. It's what all of you want. Mm-hmm. And we do listen. Um, I think that was a point that Sharonda said when we were at Go Wild. She was like, she spent like two hours with me on the phone just talking to me about just my gear. Mm-hmm. And it's true. We've talked to over 100 women. Um, actually over a thousand at this point, we have a Facebook group. That's our private Facebook group of our Detelli army. And we, you know, consider them part of our design team. We chat with them almost on a daily basis. We ask them questions about from the type of camo to the type of solids they want to, you know, a pocket, like you want, you want a pocket here and you want a pocket there, like yeah. really honestly. And we get their feedback and that's how we design. Mm-hmm. That's going to be great. It's it's almost as if well, and you just said it. It's your army. It's uh, it's built by women, and yes. that in itself makes a huge difference. We've got so many women right now that need it, and we've got a few select who are doing it well. And being able to meet some of you guys has been a true honor and a true like I'm humbled mm. by by your hearts and and the desire to do this right and not to rush it, but to do it right. And um, that shows, it shows character and and sticking by your promise of what you wanted to do in, in the past. And oh my goodness, it's coming to fruition. <laughs> I know, it's crazy, yeah. but I'm, I'm so excited. I'm excited to, to bring it to our community and and, you know, let them know that they're special. They're special to us. That's exciting. Well, how, what have you got coming up in the future? If people want, um, you can tell them in a minute how they can follow you and how they can find out more information. But what have you got coming up in the future, whether it's trips or hunts or um, where people can find you? If you're going to be showcasing things, what, what all is coming up? Um, well, we might be going to SHOT Show this year, which isn't a public event. Um, so we're waiting to hear back on that. Mm-hmm. Basically, if it's going to be in person or not, that's what we're waiting to, to hear on. Yeah. Um, I do have a, I do have a ranch hunt scheduled um, in March um, for a Russian boar. Oh, so I'll be, I'll be doing that uh, in, in March. And I'm really hoping, because I haven't had a chance to do any duck hunting at all, uh, and I'm, I'm really hoping that this this coming year is going to be the year. So that's on my that's on my goal list this year, is if I don't get out to get to do anything, it's I, I'm going to get out and be mentored and, and you know, and do a duck, duck hunt. Have you done goose yes. yet? No, no. I was talking to Sharenda the other day, and she was saying that mm-hmm. they're putting something together, mm-hmm. and... If I can make it, I will definitely go. You need to. I think that <laughs> I do snow goose in in February. And I think that the ability for, if you've never hunted birds before, snow goose is kind of the perfect, in my opinion, the perfect thing to start with because it's a conservation tag. So you can shoot as many as you can because they're tearing up the tundra and the Canadian tundra and they tear up farmlands and there's just no way to manage these numbers because of how fast they <laughs> they double their numbers and triple their numbers and it's just there's no way to keep a hold of it. So going out and shooting a big bird 
that comes in slowly and you can shoot as many as you can without a limit, that's like a great teaching opportunity and a great learning opportunity. Um, And people trash it. They go, oh, that's trash meat. That's a trash bird. Well, I have eaten it for two years now and it is. I've heard it's good. I've heard that it's really good. It's how you cook it. Period. Yep. It's how you prepare it. It's how, like everything else is how yes. it's prepared. It's how you take care of it before um, that it's not just sitting out all day in the heat, that you're really taking care of it and keeping it cool and, and breasting it out or plucking it when you need to and then putting it on ice. Like it really does matter how you treat your meat. So I would, if you get the chance to do a snow goose hunt, jump on it. It is an excellent okay. way to have camaraderie with with a group of people and and shoot some birds um so we'll have to we'll have to talk hmm we'll have to chat yeah, about will. that uh, okay so shot show i would highly suggest in the next two or three years which you would have to probably start now look into nwtf here in nashville um it is a public event And there are a lot of public events where they expose camo to everybody. And there are very few that I have been able to find women's camo to try on. Mm. Uh, We will definitely have to look into that then. Please look into it. It is it is here it is beautiful it is fun it is one of my favorite shows to go to but it is so open to the public that You've got regular people looking at it, and that's who you're selling to. That is who you are loving on, and that's who will benefit from it. So that's my suggestion. It is a little bit hard, I believe, to get a booth. Um, So I think it might take a couple of years to figure that out. But by the time you did, you'd be... It would just be a great opportunity. I've walked away from so many shows going, where was the women's camo? Where, where, (laughs) like, I just want to put my hands on something and try it on and not just see it in a catalog because they don't have it in stores. So it's just, yes, I would suggest that. Um, But yeah, I'm excited for you. I am excited for this. We're really excited. (laughs) I'm excited for... Uh, for people to hear this story and to kind of hear your passion and where it's come from and how it started. And I think that that's valuable. And I think that that if you're listening to this, these are the people that you support. These are the people that you stand with because they're doing it for you. And it yeah. it's huge. It's huge. And we need to support people who do that. So um I love you, and I'm grateful that mm, that you're able to to tell us about this. Tell people how they can follow you and how they can get information. Oh well, you can follow the telly mm-hmm. at d i t a l e outdoors on Instagram, and we're on Facebook. And if you go on Facebook, at the top of Facebook is where we have our group. So if you click on that, you can join our group if you're interested in learning more. And you can follow me on Instagram at Artemis Takes Aim. Perfect. Um, I would suggest if you guys want to have a say-so in anything from the ground up, 
go make your voice heard. Go to this Facebook page and answer the questions honestly and and put forth your suggestions and support the things that you feel like needed need to be supported because that's how you get what you need by being vocal about it. So go do that. And uh, Raylene, thank you. Thank you, Amy.